Hi, I'm Professor Amy Keeley. Thank you for joining me on Being Paleo. I appreciate you more than you know, uh, listening to some of the ancient wisdom that I am on this path to understanding and learning and sharing. Um, again, my goal of this channel is to uh, sort of bring together ancient wisdom, um, whether it's art, philosophy, um, you know, food practices, lifestyle, um, a lot of different things all together in this channel. So there's a lot of people out there doing things themselves and I want to interview them and bring their knowledge to this as well. But I'm also on this discovery myself, um, as I mentioned, as I turn my life around and go backwards and stop living this modern life, um, I start to reject more and more as much as I can while I can. Um, again, I, I, we're, you know, you just see too much mental health, too many problems with broken systems, um, that are causing people distress and anxiety. So the idea is to go back and learn from our ancient ancestors and what they were doing. So today's um, ancient saying is pretty is as pretty does. Um, I have always struggled because technically, I guess my face is aesthetically pleasing. Um, I don't look at myself as pretty, although I'm told by people that I'm pretty because I've never respected this. Um, the re I'm, I went to school for fashion photography, so I can appreciate the aesthetic of beauty. Um, I understand I have an eye for seeing beauty. And beauty meaning it's beauty is what you see it to be. And, you know, everybody sees things that are different, that are beautiful. Um, and that goes to, you know, talking about philosophy and what is, you know, in aesthetics um, and what is taste. And Immanuel Kant, broke it down very logically because he's more of a logician personality um, that broke it down and said, okay, so like, what is aesthetics? Let's just try to understand you know, how we think inside our minds um, and what makes us rational versus those that are thinking with our feelings um, and really kind of broke it down that way, but also discussed aesthetics and what is considered beautiful and what is considered um, tasteful beautiful like what is an acquired taste so as i say that because over the years um there has been a dramatic shift in obviously and i'm not going to tell people that they don't know in in this desire for physical beauty um the outside package seems to matter more than the inside package and i don't ascribe to that i think it's detrimental to our society and if you start to go back and look at ancient photographs, which as a photographer, I'm very fascinated by them in antique shops when I see them and I will buy pictures of people I don't know um, because there's something about either their garments that they were wearing or the facial feature that they have that's saying something to me, but not everybody that I pick up in ancient pictures are aesthetically pleasing. They're not beautiful. Um, they have character to their face. You know, and that's why I do respect some celebrities who have kept their what they were born with and used to, you know, work with it. And then you see celebrities that have made changes and regret those changes and try to undo it. And then sometimes you can't undo it. Um, but, you know, the, the answer is like, why do they feel the need to do that? And that's the pressure our society is placing on people to be aesthetically pleasing. So to give you my own example, 
um, I had a deviated septum, an internal and external deviated septum. I had noticed in photographs that my nose was turning. So I went to an ear, nose and throat person and they said, well, one side on the inside is going one way and the outside is going the other way. Did you ever break your nose? And I said, Derek, fourth grade, a chair. I lifted my chair up, his chair hit mine right in the nose. And she's like, if you can remember fourth grade, you broke your nose. So that's what happened with me. And I also had, so I had made this decision to get my nose done. And I went through that moment where I went through all these celebrity noses and my friends and family noses and thought, well, if this is my only opportunity to really change my nose um, because those surgeries are expensive, then I want to do it. And so I ultimately decided that Kate Beckinsale's nose was the nose that I really thought was cute and that would fit my face. And then I sat and thought about it. And I actually did a graphic design where I took a picture of myself from profile and then looked at it from the profile. And what I ended up with, and I think that there's a reason why my doctor did this, um, because she actually had a very ethnic nose and I went to go see her and she's in a Marie Claire magazine. So she's a prominent um, plastic surgeon here in the Michigan area. And I had always wondered like, why wouldn't you get your nose fixed from one of your peers? But it was the fact that, you know, she was proud of probably her ethnic heritage and never felt the need to change it. So when I went to her and I said, I've done all this analysis. And at the end of the day, when I looked at the profile pictures, the only thing that really bothered me about my nose is I had a small little bump here, which is probably where I broke it. And my tip had, had sunk down probably because of it as well. So I said, when you're doing this, um, just this and this. And she said, well, this, I can't, the tipping it up, I can charge to your medical because that actually helps you breathe better. But this, I cannot do that because I'm in correcting the deviation, not the bump. And I said to her, well, you're never going to go back in my nose again. So I don't care how much it costs. And she's like, well, for that millimeter of, of shaving off your nose is going to cost you two grand. And I'm like, you know what, then go ahead and do it. Because at the end of the day, I like my nose and I want to keep it. I just don't like the bump and I don't like the dip at the end. So she ended up being able to charge it to my insurance and I'm not sure how she coded it. Um, maybe there was some technique that she did that helped with my breathing, obviously. Um, but in, at the end of the day, I didn't pay anything except for my out-of-pocket charges for my nose. And I have to think that and hope that it's because I decided to keep my nose, which is a good Celtic nose, and, and like it and not want to change it, that she did that for me. Um, so again, you know, when you look at pretty is as pretty does, if I get compliments about my aesthetic, I actually reject it. I, I really struggle with it because I want people to see me from my inside, which is I'm selfless. I don't have boundaries. I'm trying to put boundaries with people that I want to keep in my life, but are very negative. And for people that are very negative, that cause me either stress or anxiety, I'm exiting them out of my life. Life is too stressful to keep those people around because you know I have an emotional tie to them. The emotion can go away or I can manage the emotion. Um, but that's what I mean about pretty is as pretty does. So I know, and, and this comes from, I come from a family of very good looking people. 
My dad should have been a male model. My mother was beautiful. My siblings are very attractive, um, but I don't like them. I don't like them all, all the time. And some of them I've rejected completely because they're not good human beings. They're not people that I want to spend my time with. They're huge disappointments to me because, and especially with my siblings, I helped raise them and they turned out to be some of the most narcissistic, selfish, vain people I have ever met. And I cannot have that in my life where I watch them be so incredibly selfish and unaware of people around them, including my own parents. So it's some of those things where I, because I grew up in that environment, I have rejected this idea of wanting to change my looks. And again, if you look at people in the past and there's one woman who's at, I think the Met um, or the, the Museum of Modern Art is where she, her picture is. She's a sharecropper that was taken during the, um, I shouldn't say she was a sharecropper, probably a sharecropper, but she was, a photograph was taken of her during the Great Depression um, of people that were living in tents because they had no house to live in because of the Great Depression. And I look at her face and I was actually captivated by it um, when I visited there during my photography program, because I looked at this woman and thought in today's day and age, her face and the symmetry on her face, she would be classically beautiful and she would have been a model. But the context is, is that she had three young children. She, I assume she might've been a sharecropper because she had so many lines and wrinkles on her face at a very young age, which comes from outdoor weathering, which comes from worry and stress. I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself or if you don't have the personality where gla the glass is half full versus half empty, um, people with the idea and the temperament of, of, of the glass is half full live longer lives because they're able to work through the negative. So it's one of those things where, again, if you're not classically beautiful, what else can you contribute? Because the one thing I've noticed about aesthetics and how our mind works with it is I have friends of mine who are average looking. They're not great looking and they're not unattractive. Um, they're, you know, they're like right in the middle, but the more they make me laugh, the more they help me with my education, um, the more I interact with them because of their good heart and their good soul, they become more attractive to me. So I've had beautiful men come up to me and try to kiss me in bars and I reject them. And my friends are all like, well, why would you do that? I'm like, are you kidding me? Because he became unattractive to me when he was trying to invade my, my space assuming that because he's attractive, that I would want to be attracted to that. It actually was a deterrent to me. So we need to start to think about aesthetics because now beauty companies are billion dollar brands by making us subtly look at a commercial and see a beautiful woman applying makeup and making us and our brains in the back of our limbic system think, oh, well, if I just do that, if I buy those products, I'll look as good as she does. And the answer is, is that not everybody can look that way. And they use aesthetics against people. And I know that as an award-winning marketer, I've won awards for my marketing. Um, I'm an ethical marketer, so I don't sell people what they don't need. So I'm not going to use that deception to try to, to get people to feel less of what they are because of that brand. So again, it's a very subtle, very sinister corrosiveness that gets in your mind when you look at, let's say a, a cosmetic ad 
or an ad with a celebrity in it who happens to be aesthetically pleasing. And we place these people on huge pedestals for what? Their aesthetic? We may, and, and also what's presented to us through a very carefully choreographed, choreographed um, machine of how good they are and give back the community is a very contrived setting. You're only seeing on video one element of your life. That's why Keanu Reeves is getting such raves for what he does because he doesn't talk about it. He doesn't use his aesthetics of, hey, I'm a, I'm a good looking actor to try to tell you about all the good things that he does. He just does them and he's gotten press worthy for it. But most of what he does, he keeps silent. So again, we've now placed this aesthetics on the packaging that, that our products go in, have to be aesthetically pleasing. Um, the way our products and look have to be aesthetically pleasing. The advertising that goes out has to be aesthetically. We have raised, we have raised aesthetics to an unachievable level. And that's why you're now starting to see even the celebrities reject it and say, why did I get my nose done? I think it was one of the Hatted Girls uh, models said, I wish I'd have kept my nose, but I did it when I was 12. Because at 12, there's social pressures acting on someone and you should resist doing things at a certain age until you have, you know, again, if you're a child and we by law say that you're a child until the age 18, you really shouldn't be making big decisions until you're 18. You shouldn't even let your parents be approving your decisions because you're making them based on social pressures um, and the pressures of growing and learning who you are. And now what she said is, I really appreciate my ethnicity and I really wish I would have kept my nose. The same reason why I kept my nose. My nose is my ancestry. So we need to start to look at and be very mindful of this growing aesthetics because it's going into this area of nihilism, which is it has no place else to go. It's, it's the death of, 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 of our culture, of our, of our ancient ancestors. You know, if I can't look at myself and be able to say, oh, hey, I'm this, and I am now homogenized with every other American because I look like every other American, we should want to look different than other people and, and relish that looking different. I mean, Madonna, I mean, she's gone off the deep end as she's aged, but she resisted getting the, the gap in her, her, her teeth fixed. She's like, this is my gap. And you see that there are other people that, and they build a brand. And that's what you need to look at. There are people who are character actors in movies who are not necessarily aesthetically pleasing that do a great job of acting that you then believe them so much that they add to the value of the film. Um, there, are, there are people who have decided to resist the pressure for cosmetic surgery and say, this is the way I'm, I am. There are people who are going, you know, in the, in the black community, there are people going back to natural hair. Why? is they sort of self-censored themselves. I mean, yeah, there are certain jobs that you can't get because the company can have a brand as well and an aesthetic as well. And if you don't fit that brand or that aesthetic, then you won't get hired, but you have to know that. And if that's, your aesthetic is different than theirs, then don't apply for a job. Go find another job where your aesthetic is actually enhanced. So corporate America, for example, has a lot of aesthetics 
and and they, they have a lot of power in our government and a lot of rules to be able to keep dress codes and different things like that, then don't go to try work for them. If you're trying to fit into what you're not, you won't fit. So there's plenty of people in corporate that have to give it up. But now the black community is going back to the way they lived in the 1970s where they had big afros. I've actually complimented people on afros. They're beautiful, but they're, but they're not so much beautiful to me because they're aesthetically pleasing. They're, they're beautiful to me because somebody is living their authentic life. They're now rejecting this corporate whatever and saying, okay, so either I get hired and this is the way I am because you need the help worse than, than you need me to fit your brand or you, you know, you just go find something else to do that, that really loves your, your brand and your look. And then it somehow adds value to their company. And those are insightful and wise companies, but not every company is insightful and wise and ask yourself, why would you want to force them to hire you if you don't fit their brand and their culture. That means that yes, forcing them to hire you through affirmative action will get you hired, but you're going to struggle in that, that company because you don't fit an aesthetic look that everybody else has. You're going to get stared at. Um, people will make comments, you know, because, but you got hired. But now you're going to have to deal with a different set. And that's what people call is discrimination. I look at it like, um, is it discrimination? If the human mind is wired to look for what we know um, and to, to, to be in communities that are similar. Um, and that's how our brains are wired. And that goes back to ancient times where you were in a tribe and it was your tribe. And even if it were a clan in, you know, in uh, Scotland, that's where their tartans came from, is that they all physically looked the same because they were all Scots, but their tartan became that familial symbol. Of, this is my clan. This is my, this is how I differentiate myself away from other populations in the, in the, in the Scottish um, community is by my tartan telling you, this is my family history. This is my lineage. This is everything that was actually embraced the differences. Um, and, the, and what that tribe meant that tartan meant that I was a part of either a very powerful tribe or clan, or my clan was an agricultural clan. Um, so or a hunting clan, like I'm, I'm a hunter, um, my, my family background, my last name is Keeley, but I have Hunter and Hennessy in my background. Um, hunter being Scottish, Hennessy obviously being Irish. Um, and I'm really proud of my hunter clan. You know, I have the, the shield and, and it does have, you know, a stag on the front of it. Um, but that means I'm part of something. I'm, I'm part of something that's bigger and it means something. So by rejecting aesthetics, um, and starting to build your own aesthetic that, and then find people with the same aesthetic, um, that's where the goth crowd has. They rejected aesthetics and said, I want to look as different as possible. And they have, look at tattooing. Um, that has saying, I'm rejecting this modern aesthetic of being beautiful. And I find tattooing my entire body to be beautiful. Um, so those are ways of being able to create a clan because most of those people who are heavily tattooed, not, you know, like I've got one tattoo um, and there are people who've got more than that. And that's fine because you, you'll hide them so that you can still work in the corporate world. 
but there are people who say, fine, I don't want to work in the corporate world. I don't even like that anyway. So I'm going to create a situation where, you know, I have my own aesthetics, my own crowd, and now they're making money. They're thriving because they've found this community of people who like tattooing and it's built its brand, you know, and it's got, it's got its day where they're, you know, they're making really good six figure, seven figure dollar incomes by having rejected the corporate world and are living the authentic selves. So beauty is as beauty does, but where I'm seeing a lot that concerns me is people are becoming so wrapped up in, in makeup and, and getting nose jobs and your jaws reformed and, you know, Brazilian butt jobs to make yourself look like something that you're not. And that distraction of, of feeling less than yourself and trying to fit so desperately in a crowd that you don't naturally fit in, you lose, I feel, my personal opinion, a bit of your humanity. Your humanity is giving back to your tribe and taking care of your tribe. It is not taking care of you. This I, me world has got to end. It has, and if you see people who are aesthetically pleasing and naturally aesthetically pleasing, they won the lottery, you know? But we don't put them on a pedestal because they won the lottery. You put them on a pedestal if they won the lottery and they have good hearts and they're selfless and they're giving back to their communities um, in the right way and not just throwing their name, their, their name and brand on a foundation. It's getting in and doing the hard work, getting to know people, understanding your fan base, you know, really connecting with them so that you're not talking at them, you're listening to them. And that's why I hope, and if you notice on my, my videos, I will comment um, or like every comment because I read them all. Um, and I do that because that's the feedback loop I need to have to make sure that I'm giving my fan base what they need. Um, I'm listening to what they're saying. Um, I'm changing or I'm doing a new video based on something. Um, so again, that's not vanity. Vanity is not, I'm not doing that for vanity reasons. I'm not doing that for more subscribers. I'm doing it for more subscribers so I can help more people, that I can share what I've learned. I can share my own story because it mirrors other people's stories. So that's what I hope that you get from being paleo and also from today's motivational, which is to do um, that pretty is as pretty does and expect more from either pretty people who are trying to get away with just being aesthetically pleasing, um, make them do more in life, make them be better, make them be more um, than just a pretty face. So make sure that you subscribe to my channel and that you ring the bell so that you get all my new upcoming videos as I'm trying to put out more each week. Um, lots of ancient wisdom. Um, I just talked to somebody um, at one of the big, you know, Verizon and end up talking to somebody and she, hopefully she calls me back or contacts me and gives me some of her grandma's recipes um, because I will be talking more about food um, as I'm adding more in. Um, and so she's got some great things that she was sharing me over the phone. So again, listening and being able to share more ancient wisdom, but thank you and have a great day being paleo.